this week on Trek Mary Kill. Holodeck, crumpets, footfalls. Footfalls? Next. Have <laughs> you said like seven times in that? Yeah. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. I accept your challenge, Doctor. I wouldn't miss it. Dr. Pulaski challenges Data to solve the Sherlock Holmes mystery in the holodeck. There is your killer. Seize her! But the evil Moriarty seizes the ship's computer. The time for games is over. In a ruthless plot to sabotage the Enterprise on Star Trek The Next Generation. Trek, Mary, kill. Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Kristen. And welcome to Trek Mary Kill, where we watch an episode of Star Trek and decide if it's worth rewatching, if it's one we should cherish forever, or if we're just glad to get it over with. This week, we're talking about an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation from Season 2, Elementary Dear Data, which first aired in syndication on December 5th, 1988, written by Brian Allen Lane and directed by Rob Bowman, who directed... A great episode uh, where we first met the Borg, q and also the X-Files movie. So, uh, mm. just a little note there. <laughs> Sorry, I was okay. drinking water, so I had no comment at the time because my mouth was full of water. Uh, this episode, we could talk about so many things that are vaguely tangentially related to Star Trek The Next Generation. I just mentioned the X-Files, for instance. But uh, mm-hmm. this, is the, this, this is basically the Sherlock Holmes episode. Yes. Um, Fun times. Real quick. It's a real simple synopsis. The Enterprise gets to a rendezvous point early and has to wait a few days for another ship to show up. And while they're waiting and hanging around, best friends, Jordy and Data, (laughs) decide to go go play a game on the holodeck where Data gets to pretend to be Sherlock Holmes and Jordy gets to be his Watson. Except Data is a computer who knows all the stories inside and out. And so he can immediately recognize what what story the computer is telling, solves the mystery instantly. But immediately. Yeah. Pisses off da- uh, Jordy. And uh, and so challenged by Dr. Pulaski. Oh, who's that? Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, they, they decide to go back into the holodeck, try to get the computer to come up with the Sherlock Holmes style of mystery that's not one that's actually Sherlock Holmes mystery the computer though just being you know the dummy that it is just remixes some Holmes stories Data is able to piece that together until Jordy stumbles on the idea to have the computer create an adversary that was capable of defeating Data and in doing so the computer basically has to give consciousness to Professor Moriarty, Sherlock Holmes' actual storied villain, and Moriarty takes control of the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, very easily. Very easily. <laughs> Too and easily, Moriarty. one would say. Seems like perhaps, I mean, we'll get to this in the grades, but um, it seems perhaps that was a, a flaw in the holodeck uh, programming. Yes, and so they have to figure it out after kind of hands, you know, hat in hand, go to Captain Picard and saying, hey... <laughs> Hey, Dad, remember when in you let us costume. borrow the... Yes. In full costume, by the way. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you guys up to? <laughs> yeah, we kind of wrecked the holodeck, yeah. 
So that's the episode. Pretty straightforward, simple concept. I, I feel like there's only like 12 or 15 scenes in the whole thing, too. It's very mm-hmm. simple. It, they spend all the money and time on sort of directing it, the production design. It looks great. It, they re, it's Victorian era, right? That's that's Sherlock Holmes? Yes, yes, yes. And uh, and so recreating that sec- segment of it on the holodeck. Um, this is a holodeck episode. It's a Sherlock Holmes episode. It's a data episode. It's a Jordian data episode. Do you have a, a particular bias for, you know, for holodeck episodes? Well, I remember I loved this episode. This is like um, the second time I've seen it. Oh, so you loved it. You remember watching and loving those. Okay. Yeah, the Sherlock Holmes episode. Um, I liked it the first time I saw it, which would not have been in 1988. I think that's far too early. But I did like it. And it is one of my favorite episodes, actually, because of the Sherlock Holmes angle. Doing this episode right now because, because season three of Star Trek Picard in the trailer, sort of the the punchline to the main trailer, uh, you know, Star Trek season three is supposed to be Picard season three is supposed to basically be like the next generation reunion wrap up movie. They're like nemesis was not the way we wanted this cast to go out. So they're, they're trying it one more time. So the end of that trailer has a reveal of Moriarty Moriarty pops (laughs) trailer. It's like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, so we're going to cover the two episodes that deal with Moriarty this episode and uh, Ship in a Bottle. And and I think the reason why that he's even in there at all is because of what Jordy did that caused him to come into being anyway, which was what is an adversary having the computer create an adversary capable of defeating data because mm-hmm. lore is then shown right after in this Picard trailer. Lore is back. Uh, data's, mm-hmm. data's evil twin and so maybe that's the thinking is like well we can't defeat lore but maybe the thing that could defeat data could and so that's what they bring back that's my speculation i don't know anything about it oh, okay but, but that's we've got two uh, moriarty episodes why would they bring him back let's figure it out but really <laughs> let's just enjoy this episode so you loved it yeah. when you first thought yeah but like you know a, a kid likes you know the dress up angle i think you're a big sherlock holmes fan I wouldn't say big. Um, I've never read any of the books. <laughs> I guess that's, that's like the number one thing you need to be to be a Sherlock Holmes fan. I would agree. And I would, I'm also with you. I haven't read any of the books, although I think for high school, I had to read Hound of the Baskervilles. So I have read that. That is the one I've read. Mm. But We uh, read like um, excerpts in, in school, but not a full book. And also as a character that's who's existed in pop culture for, you know, preceding our lifetimes uh you know he's there in the ether that that character and even just in this century we've got benedict cumberbatch's sherlock johnny lee miller's sherlock robert downey jr sherlock if you want to go there Mm -hmm. um uh i don't know henry cavill's sherlock i didn't Mm -hmm. really watch a no Mm -hmm. Holmes. oh i did (laughs) oh he's in he's in it all right and we have brent spiners yes add that to the list um, and and I love the character. I, I actually, if we were to do a power rankings, if we were to do, you know, uh, lock, marry, kill, <laughs> Sherlock, marry, kill, <laughs> I I would say that the the elementary, the CBS show, was actually a surprisingly great uh, version of Sherlock. Yeah, Man. I had heard that actually. I never watched it, 
but um, I had heard that, yes. And I have seen some of the Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch uh, Sherlock's, or I think there's like each episode is like two hours, so I think I saw one episode because that's about that's about as much as you're going to get from me, I think, for a single episode <laughs> of television. I would say story wise, Elementary had the harder task because it's a procedural, right? Yeah, it's a CBS <laughs> procedural episode procedural where every week you have to come up with the mystery that's worthy of Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> which is wow. Um, but anyway, enough about Sherlock Holmes, one of the liter- literature's great characters, one of pop culture's mm-hmm. great characters. Let's talk about the Next Generation's version here, where it's yeah. Data well, and Jordy. Can I jump in here because I think. Please. This is what I would call a fantasy episode. And some viewers of television do not like the fantasy episode. I don't know if this is like what people call it, like when they're studying television, but uh, like, you know, for academic purposes. But as an avid television watcher, this is what I call it. And it is typically an episode that does not necessarily have to be in canon with the rest of the show, but it's not doesn't but it can be but it's basically you've put everything else in the show on hold to have this fantasy episode of like your some of your characters doing weird or wild shit and in this case cosplaying as Sherlock Holmes like doing a Sherlock Holmes mystery in the middle of Star Trek and I I personally love fantasy episodes but a lot of people hate them or I understand the people that do but I also think that some those people tend to watch TV uh, with sort of a different mindset, I think, mm-hmm. where the goal of television for for most of television's existence was to consume the television material. Yeah. <laughs> so Star Trek is on. So you're watching Star Trek. What was the point of that? Some people might ask. Um, the point was that it was an episode of Star Trek. That's literally <laughs> it. You had yeah. eight, eight writers who were under the gun with limited budget um, and 22 episodes yep. for this season, I think. And yes. it's just, sometimes it's fun to do stuff that's outside of the norm of the show that you're doing. Like, have you seen the second season of Ted Lasso? No, I have not. Okay. So there's an episode that a lot of people got very angry about where um, the character of coach beard kind of like after, I think they lose a game or something. And then he like takes a bus and has this basically like, a complete fantasy episode where he has all these bizarre adventures over the course of one night. And people got very upset because I guess one of the people involved with the show were like, Oh no, that was definitely Canon. Like that actually happened. And people were like, how dare you waste an episode of Ted, my beloved Ted Lasso on a fantasy episode. And I'm like, yeah, you just don't like television that much. Have you, have you heard of films? Perhaps yeah. films are more your speed. Or imagination. <laughs> <laughs> or have you read a book? Yes. If, now, you, if you don't want the, the plot to be diverted, perhaps a book is yeah, more your this, speed. This episode winds up still for being a fantasy type of episode. You know, it, it follows all the Star Trek conventions. So it's sort of they earn the right for it to be canon because it is. Yeah. We're, we're seeing, but it, it's yeah, it doesn't the, entirely take place in the holodeck. Like it has real world consequences. And I think the best fantasy episodes do do that very well. Yes. And, you know, this is kind of an oddly resonant episode now, too, with we've got things like the open AI chat GBT that's been you know, mm-hmm. going around and you've got the all the online arts. Uh, what is it? 
uh, Dolly. Yeah, I don't know what it's yeah. called, but like the AI art generator yeah. that's like taking artist artwork and appropriating and it. Everything that Mark Zuckerberg thinks he's innovating <laughs> with, you know, yeah, whatever the hell Facebook he's doing, we or whatever is going on, and. But, you know, this idea, the holodeck is a very relevant, resonant thing. I mean, I think people are trying to recreate the holodeck here. So you've got like a really interesting holodeck story. I kind of like all of the holodeck stories of Mm -hmm. when it goes haywire. For me, it tends to work because for the most part, the Star Trek writers, when they go in there, they are like, we are dealing with this wild, you know, bullshit premise already with the holodeck right your holodeck is basically (laughs) like you could just do a show about a holodeck like that had nothing to do with star trek but you're already asking audience to do it's called west it's called westworld yeah but you're asking audiences to buy a thing within a thing right you're asking Mm -hmm. for two buys and so they're always tricky i think that's why the new i think that's against the um the wells law yeah, the hg so, wells yeah. law of like only introduce one fantastical one, thing yes. otherwise the audience won't believe it where so in gene roddenberry's mind is like well everyone watches star <laughs> trek and everyone knows what it is so that's yeah. the normal world mm-hmm. that's just the unusual thing in the normal world because the holodeck think, wasn't part of the original series right no no and it's i think the reason why it's not really a part of the new ones is because it requires it's like um it's a it's a feat of fancy Right. It's a it, mm-hmm. it's like you're having to think in this weird way. So this idea that data would even enjoy. The, so data is very, this is season two of the next generation. Let's uh, mm-hmm. wind all that talk down. This is a fun episode. Season two of the next generation is an interesting thing. I think a lot of fans tend to just look at seasons one and season two as a wash. You know, like there, there's, uh-huh. not, there's not a lot there. I'm much more about that for season one. But I think I need to I'm glad the show will force me to reexamine some of that. But season two, I've been very much like, no, this is the show taking a step. It still looked silly like season one did, but the stories were a little more mature. And mm-hmm. I, I think this one was a pretty well, well told story. But it, all that said, season two, Dr. Crusher is gone. And uh, we've got Dr. Pulaski played by Dana Moldar, mm-hmm. who was on, in the original series in a in a in um in uh in an episode which i won't go back and edit in i'm totally blanking i think it's all our yesterdays or returning tomorrow i think that's what the episode that she was in and and um and but also famously was in la law and fell down the elevator shaft so (laughs) Hmm. claim to fame yes and so she's playing basically the female version of of dr mccoy that was the conception of the character why is why did Dr. Crusher leave for season two? Why was Gate, Gates McFadden not brought back for season two? Well, I think I mentioned this in the Next Generation episode that we did. Maurice Hurley <laughs> was the showrunner for season two. Mm-hmm. And and he didn't when he took over to take run season two, he just didn't like Gates McFadden. I don't know if <laughs> you're out of here. It, yeah. And so he's basically like, like, ah, I don't like her. Get rid of her. We got to get bring, a bring in this in woman who's. I mean, God, be what, 60 years old. Right. And got paid more than the rest of the cast. She got her own. And, you know, she didn't want to be. She got with paid her. more than the she rest got of paid the cast. more than the rest of the cast. She didn't want her name with the in the credits with them. So that's why whenever she's in an episode, it's like in special guest appearance by. So like it really stood out that she was in it. Who Apparently, the hell was she to do to request that? <laughs> I know. But I guess. According to the rest of the cast, it was basically them versus her. Is uh, she dead you know, now? 
No, she's she's oh, alive and okay. she's like, I don't want to talk about Star Trek anymore. You know what? Fair enough. Um, OK, yeah, I think in the first half of the season and this episode's in the first half of the season, she's she's like uh, really mean to Data. Yeah. She really <laughs> hates him. But He'll he, never and, get it. Yeah. He'll never yeah. understand what it's like to be human. Yeah, he's a stupid machine. I rub my shit-covered boot off on him if I could. <laughs> uh, but I think by the end of the season, she actually does kind of soften, and it does change. Like It's weird. She does have an arc in the season, even though the for modern TV viewers, it's like, what? Was that planned out? No, it's just <laughs> overwriting these episodes, they, the character evolved, which none of the other characters in Next Generation could ever really say. But mm-hmm. uh, in this episode, she... She's a foil, but I, she it's a great performance. I kind of think I'm not stepping on the award. She does not win the performance for me, but she. Oh, she's OK. In this month. Yeah. Spoilers. Um, yeah. So I and then, like I said, I only have seen had seen this episode once. And I think you're just for me at the time I was watching it when I saw it, I was like I was young enough. I was like, well, it's too slow or I wasn't into whatever was going on. And um, and now I was really digging it. It was just a, a simple story. Well told. Distract me for 45 minutes with characters mm-hmm. I like and actors I like portraying these characters. So uh, should we get to the grades? Yeah. Okay. So great scenes. Uh, the first scene that I have is the scene after Data immediately solves the mystery mm-hmm. and Jordy storms out of the holodeck. Yeah. <laughs> They're in 10 forward commiserating or Jordy's trying to explain why he's kind of pissed off. And data, and he's like, "Well, this is supposed to be like using deduction and reasoning, and 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 being in the spirit of it, and like and, and engaging in the mystery." And data's like, "Isn't that exactly what I did? <laughs> yeah, by solving the mystery immediately." And uh, it's a well shot scene because we reveal Doctor Pulaski. She's like been listening. She's at a in. bar, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like uh, like. Dr. Pulaski, I haven't heard that name in years. Like, she, not part of the conversation, but overhears him and turns around slightly. Yeah. Yep. And Jordy has basically run out of gas trying to explain why it's an issue. And she goes, Jordy, you simple bitch. He is just not going to get it. He is just not going to get it because data, it's like asking a computer not to compute is what she says. So. I thought it was a great scene, well acted, well directed, and, and that was that was the first great scene that stood out to me. I also put that on there because Data just wants to cosplay, but Jordy wants an escape room. And oh, what a great yes! Like he just wants, yeah. Data's like, I get to play Sherlock, and that's it. And Jordy's like, I want to go on a quest, and so it's interesting. Um, but yeah, like for all the reasons that you mentioned. It's just a really great scene and like Jordy just running out instead of like explaining to him then and there is um, like very dramatic. But also like if I had been looking forward to my quest and then someone ruined it for me, I'd probably storm out too. Yeah. Also in large part, he kind of knew that if he explained himself in that moment, it would go exactly how it goes just a few minutes later. So mm-hmm. it's probably all that anger. Just we might as well get some drinks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I love that the the whole cap of the scene is Dr. Pulaski saying Data's a dumb machine. Yeah. He'll never, he'll never. She's basically like, he will never read my lips. Never, never. solve a real mystery. <laughs> <laughs> and so they take her up on the challenge. That's really the end of the scene. But uh, it was just funny how insistent she is. Um. So when they go back to the holodeck, they're in 
London and there's a there's a cart selling fresh meat pies. Because as we know, that's what they sell in London. It isn't it's like completely out of place, like the, the design of it. But after um, Jordy accidentally creates Moriarty, the ship starts shaking and we cut out of this fantasy world to Worf and Riker on the bridge. And they're like, what the hell was that? Like, they're actually working. <laughs> well, Jordy, Data, and the ship's doctor. Have hopefully, no one has a, hopefully no one has an emergency appendectomy or goes into labor. But playing Sherlock Holmes, and they've, like, done something. They've Basically, the computer has gotten, or I don't know how to explain it, but, like, basically, the holodeck creates a foe for Data, and it, kind of takes over the ship a little or like it, it causes some anomaly on the ship that they actually notice on the bridge. Yeah. Like a, like a, yes, yeah, so there's like a power surge or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, Oh, it's gone now. <laughs> um, what else for you? Um, okay. So I had two more scenes actually or three more scenes. I have, a, uh, but there aren't that many scenes in the episode. So maybe we're, yeah. we're saying uh, it's a good one. So um, Moriarty confronts Data and Jordy after luring them into a secret lair and telling them what he knows about the situation. Um, I liked the what I did remember from the first time I saw it was the sound in the background. He's his laboratory. He's basically has a lot of beakers that are mm-hmm. boiling. So the bubbling while he's talking, he is like a mad scientist. But the portrayal of Moriarty is so calm that it's a nice contra. It's a he's speaking very quietly but the power is literally behind him. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a, a nice dramatic effect. Daniel Davis is the actor. He'll be coming back for Star Trek Picard season three. I think everybody just knows him as the butler from the nanny. Yeah. Uh, which and I'm not, not British, lie. by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. He's from Arkansas. That's amazing. Good for him. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, that you Couldn't tell. That, that's one of the rare times I think an American doing the British accent uh, well, because it's so mild and it doesn't have any like real um, uh, regions, like regional um, particularities. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, would you put his on one end of the spectrum and Gwyneth Paltrow and Sliding Doors on the other end? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I tried to watch Sliding Doors and I had I didn't know that she was doing an accent. And oh. so when it started, I thought... Wait, didn't she do this bit when she hosted SNL after Shakespeare in Love? Yeah, she did. Yeah, I remember <laughs> so, that. So anyway, okay. Uh, so Daniel Davis, uh, I think is his name, is is uh, yes, is Moriarty, and he's fantastic. And um, fantastic. I actually read like he actually beat out a legitimate Shakespearean actor who was nominated for like seven Tony Awards for this part. Oh my god, <laughs> that's incredible! But it's totally worth it, and he's. So he's playing uh, Moriarty, but as a but recognizing Moriarty, recognizing that he's not real. So he's confronting mm-hmm. Data. I'm saving the actual line for the for the other grades. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so that was a good scene. Um, jump in if you want. I also like the scene later where Moriarty and Doctor Pulaski are talking over the situation over tea and crumpets, mm-hmm. um, because Doctor Pulaski has been kidnapped, but she's she's not really a damsel in distress and she's very clever and smart. She's trying in the whole scene. She's just basically playing dumb because Moriarty's asking her questions about the enterprise. He's yeah. She doesn't want to give it away. Cause yes. she, I guess realizes 
that this guy's pretty smart. He could probably figure it out. He's already drawn the Enterprise. Yeah, he's shaking the ship. I watched him Mm -hmm. build the machine that shakes the ship. She, but then she's trying to convince him. He's saying like, "Oh, but you tell me all these answers without saying anything. Like your your lack of answers is an answer." And she's like, "Well, since you already know what I'm going to say, I guess I'll just leave. Would you like to come with me?" And you know, because she knows the holodeck. If he leaves the holodeck, he'll be erased. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and he's just like, "I don't know if I'm gonna." follow you there so it was like a good hmm. it was a good tete-a-tete or you know a good scene between the two of them and and credit diana moldar she she was giving great performance right back to him and then the last scene i think that i have is a great scene is the showdown between moriarty and picard um, yeah and and the main reason is is because at the end of it is as silly as it is for a holodeck episode as silly as it is uh as a sherlock holmes type of thing goofy cosplay like you said it then ends as a Star Trek story where Picard recognizes some sort of uh, life force or something unique. And and in the Starfleet fashion, in the Star Trek fashion, his instinct is not to snuff it out. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really great. Yeah, not the original I original like... ending. <laughs> no, it is not the original ending. Um, So I liked all those. I also really, really liked it when Data and Jordy go, of course, literally hat in hand to Picard and tells him okay we really fucked up here and then they all decide to get in their individual Victorian outfits to get into the holodeck including Worf who's in a Victorian suit and flinches when Picard pops his top hat, top hat out oh and then I think God. Riker says something like nice yeah I don't suit. know if the locals yeah. are gonna you know be cool with seeing you a Klingon because it was a they speculated right. that Moriarty like may have turned off the the mortality uh, the fatality uh, fail safe in the holodeck, and they could probably right. get mugged by some street toughs or whatever. Right, which we see as soon as Picard steps yes. into the holodeck, <laughs> he, yeah, someone pulls a knife on him. Yeah, but I like all those the ones that you mentioned. But yes, I like the little ones where everyone's in their little finery. And then um, there was a great direction the whole way through. I like the way he directs. Uh, Rob Bowman has shoots the home study. I like when it, when the ship shakes for the first time and we get the cut to Riker and Troy on the bridge and they're shaking and the mm-hmm. cameras uh, pull zooming right in between the, t- the con and the, the helm, like right down the middle of the bridge. Just, it's like a way of creating excitement. This is, this is a bottle show essentially. You know what I mean? Like it's very limited yeah. in scope. So finding all the moments to make it cinematic or make it exciting. That's just the mark of a good director. So yeah, yeah I appreciated all that. Um, but we can go on to our next category, which is best Trek tropes. And for me, I put, of course, the holodeck. Cause yeah. the holodeck is really awesome. And then we also have, um, so Worf proposes that he leads a security team onto the holodeck to rescue Dr. Pulaski, you know, killing whoever they need to. And then they immediately shoot him down. <laughs> Although I still maintain that's probably the best way but I mean, it all ended up fine, but still. So you're fine. You think that's a good Trek trope when they, and this, and this, in this instance, yes, because I like that. I, note. You're like, let's evaluate it on a case by case basis. That's yeah. Good. Yes. Okay. I that's think fair. all the, I think all the tropes for me are on a case by case basis. Like something I like in one show is not going to be something I like in another show necessarily. Like if it's written poorly, but I, this one is like, okay, maybe we should just, this guy's really smart. 
for all we know, Moriarty. So maybe we don't lead the security team in guns blazing. Yeah, I I have holodeck mishap as my best Trek trope, too. Yeah. Um, worst Trek tropes, then. Oh, I, I still I have one more best Trek oh, trope, sorry. and that is data is very strong. <laughs> one that comes up for me often and like Picard just he gets he's about to get mugged with a knife or you know by a street tough and then Data like does some kind of pinch on his hand. He just grabs to his disarm finger. Him. Yeah, he like grabs <laughs> yeah. one finger and he pinches it. So this is my thing because I've I sent I, I had seen the episode one other time, but I remember that very distinctly <laughs> when he's just pinching him. So my question is whenever Data flexes his strength <laughs> Is it always memorable because it always looks a little funny or silly? I mean, I think it is. I think, I mean. Or is this one of the more memorable times he did it? I mean, every time it's come up, I've been like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I remember. Date is really strong. Yeah, most of the time he's just like casually tossing someone off or like Mm -hmm. effortlessly (laughs) opening or closing something. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good one. That's I didn't think about it. I missed that. That's good. Let's do worst Trek tropes. I actually, on this one, I put data isn't people. So we get reminded <laughs> a lot that data isn't a real person. And this one is like really heavy handed because Dr. Plasky is just really mean about it. But also like data is, he's not supposed to have emotions, but he's like clearly having the time of his life playing Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. I think that's the, it's weird that they started to figure him out in season two, but all the data stories in season two, for the most part, are not the data stories that happen the rest of the whole Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like he's a, almost a different character. Um, that's a good one. I have Jordy being wistful about the past, shunning modernity mm-hmm. when he says the best or only way to power a, a ship is with wind and water. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm why? Why is every old Star Trek? Why does every Star Trek character go? Ah, oh, the way things used to be. Oh yes, an old ship. Yes, and also like they I don't mean, even do that now. Like people who are in the navy aren't like, ah, oh, yes, the old steam-powered ship that could leave you marooned. Yep, and, and break apart at the slightest of storms. Like they don't even do. They like, oh, those are cool, but like they're not like, ah, oh, yes, the good old days when we had to it, sail by the wind. Like nobody want was happy about that when it was going on. That's right. (laughs) Then the sub part of that is he, Jordy is building a model ship. This seems like it was all like Picard material that they had to relocate. Yeah. And and it's, he has time to build the ship. I mean, I guess I, there's probably not much to do on the enterprise when you're. Yeah. It just, it didn't, it didn't feel like Jordy, but in, on the larger sense, in the broader sense of things, it was just, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird fallback that they tend to do whenever they need to fill materials like let's make the character have this particular fetish for old things and it's it's weird it happens too much in star trek for my liking and then i had worth getting denied i i because he's <laughs> i have the security detail but but i see your point there i think i agree with you this was a good plan he had the right idea i think the worst trick trope is and this is kind of enough it's time quality but i'm gonna keep i'm just gonna relocate it to hear and that is making the black man look silly yeah is, is a very 80s thing you have the tough black guy and then i he some flinches people may not like at to hear the this. pop yeah. the top hat some people may not like to hear this because they think this is like a political thing but the honest truth is if you watch television from the 80s it happens in the 90s too 
but there it starts to change in the 90s but like it in the 80s and the 70s there's always a sense of where this person is important but we don't want people think he's too important there is just an mm-hmm. attitude that permeates a lot of television of the time period um and it happens here i think it's like wharf is a conduit for all that stuff you know it's doubly so it's like always the klingon so anytime we can kind of knock the klingon down or make him look silly that's fine but anyway i mean and living color did a joke about uh, about this they're like anytime mm-hmm. you see a black person on star trek they've got a butt on their head you know what I mean? <laughs> so there's just that idea anyway <laughs> Uh, most of its time quality, I put the mystery of the week, which is a very popular format back in the 80s uh, with shows like Murder, She Wrote, Columbo and Matlock. It's basically like you have some guest starring roles and then they go and solve the mystery of the week. So I feel like that's very of this time. Uh, also, the set design for the most part, like even the London stuff is very 80s to me. <laughs> um, what do you have? Uh, a very big idea just sort of brushed aside or kind of dealt with simplistically <laughs> you've given you've given a, a thing you created out of photons you know what i mean and you made a holo, holodeck holographic being sentient and it is able to take yeah. control of your ship you know or just uh, even smaller it's wrestling with the fact that it's aware of its own existence so you've essentially created a life and then you don't have a way of actually removing that life out of there. So you have to leave it in the holodeck and basically save, save the file <laughs> and store it yeah. in your hard drive. Um, I, I feel like the, but at the same time, it's a big idea, but it's all of it's handled seriously. You know what I mean? Nothing's undercut with humor. And I think that's why the warp stuff bothers me sometimes because it undermines the character, the intention of the character. Yeah. But at least to hear any jokes are on what's going on. The big idea is still a big idea by the end of it, but it is handled in a way that's kind of quaint. It's sort of um, <laughs> they flatten a, a complex issue into something very quaint and simplistic, but it's done in a way that you don't mind because it's just done very competently. It's all very, oh, yes, this makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. Oh, and that's how you end it. Okay. I kind of feel like sometimes these the modern shows, I'm going to say all of TV, this idea that you have to have a complex idea to convey a complex idea. I think that's it's a I think a lot of we're all guilty of that, right? We think complexity is what makes something interesting. And here it's pretty simple. A couple of friends, you know, get <laughs> ca- cause the computer create a life form. The life form wants to get out. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> um and so I I kind of like the of its time quality where you're like the ramifications, the implications of the idea, if you think about it beyond what you watched, is sort of like, wow, that's that's how they handled it. Picard comes in, confronts him, they have a conversation, and they shut it down. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. The line must be drawn here. Uh, great lines. <laughs> there were quite a so few. So usually I just kind of assume that you're going to pick out the best ones, and I just pick out the ones that make me laugh. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> towards the beginning, like, you, yeah, more of the important ones, but towards the beginning when, um, right when, uh, Data gets into his Sherlock Holmes cosplay, um, Jordy's like, did Holmes really talk like that? <laughs> and, and Data's like, yeah. Um, and then when they go back and they realize that Dr. Pulaski has gotten herself kidnapped, 
Data goes, the doctor has been carried away by two men. One is tall, the other is shorter, left-handed, and is employed in a laboratory. (laughs) (laughs) Very histrionic. And then after um, Jordy and Data tell tell, uh, Picard what's happened, Picard's line is just merde, which is shit in French. (laughs) Uh, He cusses in French. Well, I had, which... I think in the novels, my recollection of reading Star Trek novels is they would not miss an opportunity to have him do that in his internal monologue. Oh, okay. Always. <laughs> I think this is the only time it happened. It might happen twice in the show. Um, and, and I think they're all located here in the second season. Um, oh, but I had a funny line that I liked. The Is it Inspector Lestrade? Yes. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is when Data sabotages the first mystery right when they get in there and solves it immediately. He, he's like Lestrade's like oh he's missing a photograph and you need to help him find it and then Data <laughs> rips open the other guy's coat and the, the photo is right there and Lestrade looks and goes great Scott the photograph it's just the way he says photograph <laughs> <laughs> that guy must that was have, a newer invention that guy so. was also from Arkansas I think that actor <laughs> so, oh wow the way he says the photograph um, and then I already said this, but Pulaski to Jordy saying that to data is like asking a computer not to compute. Um, I like the part when Jordy crouches down over the dead body and he goes, as I take note of this, uh, dead man, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm maybe stepping on the performance thing a little bit, but I love LeVar Burton's performance this whole episode. I think I always love Jordy, the character. And so watching Jordy pretend to be Watson you know, it's like he's an yeah. engineer acting. So him doing the voice, you know, Brent Spiner being hist- histrionic, it's both a natural fit for him, the actor. And it makes sense for data to be very big because that mm-hmm. that's what a computer would definitely interpret. A, a computer would definitely be in a, a perfect Academy Awards voter mistaking the most the most <laughs> acting for the best acting. Um, so I just really like the way he said that line. Um, and then Moriarty's. And like the spider, I feel the strings vibrate when anyone new chances into my web. Welcome, my dear Holmes, but not Holmes. And Dr. Watson, but not Dr. Watson. And then he explains that I'm aware of who you're supposed to be, but I can also plainly see that you are not those people. Uh, this yeah. is as he's revealing his awareness. So uh, there, there are a lot of great lines. Uh, I thought this was a pretty, pretty sharply written episode. And I think when the concept is this simple and you're dealing with the elements you are, you know, period setting, all that crap, you know, you have to make sure that the writing yeah. really cracks. And this one does. So the Anton Caridian Award for Best Performance. I'd kind of stepped on it, but I'm going to give it to Daniel Davis as Moriarty because they're they're bringing him back 30 plus years later to yeah. write the character. I think this is why. <laughs> yeah, you fucking nailed it, man. Yeah, uh, I also put him. Uh, he, you know, you could go so over the top if you wanted to, and it would be fine. But it's not nearly as over the top as it could be like it's it's juxtaposed against a lot of the other acting in the show by people who are not like by the by day players and guest stars and such you could have gone way over the top and he didn't and so i i appreciate that so this performance ruined my conception of moriarty by the way so when he's appeared Oh. In the Sherlock Holmes, in the in all the other versions of Sherlock Holmes, except for Elementary, because Elementary is great. 
uh, elementary turned Moriarty into who is Sherlock Holmes one love? Oh, I can't remember. Oh. They, but they merged the characters. Oh, it was, okay. It's pretty brilliant. And it's also, um, uh, who's the one? Gosh, darn it. The uh, the woman in Game of Thrones who marries the young Targaryen boy and then gets blown up in the sept. And she she's uh, her mom. Oh, Mar- Mar- oh um, Diana Rigg? No, her, or, no, her you're daughter. About Mar- Marjorie? Or, yeah, Marjorie. Oh. Yeah, Marjorie. All right, so she Natalie Dormer, Natalie Dormer. That's it. So she's in Elementary, and she's Moriarty, which is great. So uh, accepting Elementary, yeah, Moriarty is is traditionally kind of mustache twirly. Yes, and which we get a lot of on Star Trek. Yes, and he he doesn't underplay it. Like you can tell when an actor is trying to underplay it, and he's very mm-hmm. natural, and you can see the arch parts of him. Uh, they're like, has she been harmed? And, uh, you know, they're asking how Dr. Pulaski is. And he, she, he's like, no, but I will. And he says it sort of very matter of factly. Um, but like, OK, so Jared Harris, I think, plays him in the in the um, Robert Downey Jr. version. And Jared Harris is one of is a fantastic actor. And I'm like, but have, after seeing this, this is the only Moriarty I can think of. And then in Sherlock, he's played in, by the hot in Anola, Yeah, in Enola Holmes, it's played by a black woman. Who is also more subtle than mustache twirly. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh, sorry. Spoilers. Oh. If you haven't seen the second Enola Holmes. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> my, my bad. That's okay. <laughs> but an, an incredible performance that resonates throughout Star Trek history. They, the reason why it was, he didn't show up again until season five or six is because uh, we didn't get in any of this. It's uh, the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle estate. Very litigious. Very, uh, yes. <laughs> very lawsuit happy, but everyone should be happy. to this day. Yes, I did look this up very briefly. I didn't have enough time to go into like super depth and like actually read like court decisions. But it's my understanding that most Sherlock Holmes character, most Sherlock Holmes stories are in the public domain at the moment. I don't know what the status was back in 1988, but there are certain stories that are not. And if you bring characteristics from those stories into your Sherlock Holmes character, um, and you haven't cleared it, you will get sued by the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle estate, which ha- actually happened with Enola Holmes. Let's just go to the Shatner then. Uh, yeah, the Shatner. And I put down the street tough who tries to mob or mug Captain Picard. All right. That was... I mean, I probably could have got it, given it to Lestrade as well. That's who I gave it to. But okay, yeah. I, I mean, it was kind of neck and neck. But give me your give me your main reason why. So, uh, is it his reacting to the pinch? Yeah. Okay. Now let's do that. Yeah. That's a good one. I, that's fine. <laughs> All right. What part of this are they teaching at Starfleet Academy? Well, there's a problem with the holodeck. <laughs> I would imagine, and that they've saved Moriarty. On a hard drive somewhere. And he can be revived if we ever have the technology. I phrase it simply as, hey, let's watch what programs we ask the computer to create. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's the the weird part about all that chat bot stuff that's going on is people are asking the computer, the, chat, the thing, some interesting questions, maybe knowing or forgetting or being super curious to know 
what it will learn from these questions. But sometimes it's just like, you know, if you, if you build a machine that's designed to learn and it's, you know what I mean? Like synthesize information or make leaps of logic, maybe just be careful. So, yeah. Especially if it's connected to all of your life support systems. That seems. Yeah. Cool. Like maybe having something that's like not, that's kind of like offline or something or closed. Exactly. It's probably yeah. better. Probably better. How would the predecessor captain or show resolve this conflict? Well, Kirk would have definitely fought Moriarty. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I think maybe while that's happening, Spock disconnects the computer control somehow. Yeah, I, I was going to say that Spock might be like, let's just blow the whole thing up. Like, why don't why? Who cares about Dr. Pulaski? She she knew her. She made her decision. She got kidnapped. Let's leave her. Um, Whatever that other doctor, let's bring them back. Yeah. Like if it were McCoy, I guess they wouldn't blow it up though. So I guess it depends on who it is. But okay, well let's say if it's Doctor Chapel or better yet, it's Ohura. Um, I don't think Ohura, but I, I'm not sure. Um, also I think that I I went right for the fight because that's there would have been a fight at the end. But I mean, at the end of the day, you put Captain Kirk in front of a computer. He's he's gonna try to talk it to death. Yeah. So Picard was able to that's the difference between Kirk and Picard. He, he would have at least he would have at least fought the guy with the knife though. Yes, that's true. That's exactly he would have been like yep, your karate totally right. chop. Then they would have been arrested and then like Moriarty would have come into the jail cell or something or absolutely. Uh, but- and him and Gary Mitchell would have stopped by a, a whorehouse. <laughs> how, how pressing is this Dr. Pulaski rescue, this Moriarty business? I think it's fun to grade the show in this way because you can see the differences across generations and style of storytelling and all that. But, you know, talking to computers. To- you can't get an STD from the holodeck, though, no, right? No. no. So you're, yeah, yeah. you're scot free. Uh, but, you know, that's that is one big difference right there between Kirk and Picard, right? Kirk would seek annihilating the computer. Picard negotiated a detente, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and so that that is the difference between the two of them. All right. Well, that leads us into the big question. Trek, Mary, kill. I love this episode. So I, I chose Mary. <laughs> oh, you're marrying it. Okay. Yeah, I love well, it. I, okay. Let me let me go through this. And is this my first marry? Uh, no, be. we married. Oh, wait, you you didn't marry Deep Space Nine. That's right. I didn't. But I mean, now having seen all the other pilots, I might have to like <laughs> rethink rethink about it. Maybe it was, that's the best it was ever going to get. I guess I don't know. I think like I have to go through this real quick. So one thing this episode really did well in a way that I miss is Jordy and Data are best friends. This was a great yeah. episode for their friendship. I thought the ending was tremendous. It wasn't like emotionally powerful or anything, but it is sort of like, what is the solution to this? And it doesn't cheat either character. Picard goes into this saying like, okay, I'm going to take this straight away. I have to treat this as the real Moriarty because this damn hologram has controlled my ship. So, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to just look at it as, Oh, it's a hologram or I have to talk the computer to death. Uh, By the way, in in Kirk's version, his imperative is just saving his ship. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, he's just looking at it as an enemy, but Picard's like, Oh, something interesting's happened. 
And then Moriarty is is a brilliant mastermind. He's very intelligent. And all he's been doing the whole episode, they've just shown him every time he's asking the computer questions to gain knowledge. And he reaches a limit and he believes what they're telling him because they're not coming at him trying to deceive him. And so he accepts the decision of like, okay, well, he actually says, like, I'd rather die. Just kill me if this is all there Mm -hmm. is. If you can't if you can't get me to leave the holodeck, then I'm going to go. Then, then I'd rather just die. And, and they kind of honor that idea by just simply saying like, well, we can hold you in, in the computer. You'll, you'll just be there and, and no time will pass for you. And we'll figure this out over time, which I will admit even then sounded like bullshit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it also is sort of like that. Sincere bullshit. But... Yeah. Yeah. But it also seemed like, okay, that that's good. You know, I was a very strong Trek, Trek, Trek on this. I think I'm going to mm-hmm. go. I'm going to join you on the Mary. Why not? Oh, wow. I'm going to join you on the Mary. Why not? Uh, it was. It was. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Uh, I think I said with Enterprise, it was like a single up the middle. I wouldn't say this was a home run. This was like a stand up triple. This is really good. Yeah, I mean, there, there are better episodes, but yeah. it's still like really good. Yeah, it's really good. All right. Well, that that's exciting. That makes me feel good. What a great, what a great <laughs> way to end the show there this week. Uh, well, next- should we talk about what the real ending was supposed to be, though? Yeah, the real ending. See, the, another reason why I think I should marry this episode is they avoided a terrible ending. By the way, go ahead. What was the original ending? The original ending was like Picard telling Moriarty, sorry, there's absolutely no way you can leave here and just like hurting his feelings or something. Or it was like kind of cruel or whatever, right? Something like that. And and I think it was involving like tri- tricking him to actually leave. And Gene Roddenberry nixed the idea because he said that I didn't, he didn't like the idea of a Starfleet captain being. Yeah. It was something like, we know this piece of, you know, you can leave like this piece of paper left the holodeck or something. Right. Which, okay. So if you didn't watch the episode, but you're listening to this one first, thanks. Second, (laughs) the big like act two out is that, uh, is that, Moriarty has figured out he's on the Enterprise and he's drawn a picture of the Enterprise, which they dramatically hold as a reveal to the audience until the like another minute. And and they walk off the holodeck, Jordy and Data, holding this piece of paper he's handed them, with which has the drawing. And then Jordy dramatically reveals that drawing. He's like, How does he know what the Enterprise looks like or whatever? That piece of paper, we I said this in the next generation pilot in an encounter at Farpoint. Remember when Wesley Crusher leaves the holodeck wet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not supposed to work that way. It, it just doesn't yeah. work that way. So they were breaking their own sort of rule there. And I like that they didn't double down on that for the solution because it kind of can be hand waved. Maybe not. But yeah, basically Maurice Hurley was only one. He was only the showrunner for one season. <laughs> and he yeah. is a very cynical, angry, bitter man. And so his, of course, solution was something kind of mean, mean spirited. And I think the episode we got was was much kinder. Yeah. And like Gene Roddenberry being the one being like, no, that seems overly cruel is well, kind of shocking to me, though. Well, that oversexed old kook, I think he <laughs> he was he was I don't know. I wouldn't say it was 60 40, but how about he was 60 40 wrong but that 40 percent that's a good chunk of the time being <laughs> having some yeah. decent instincts i think <laughs> yeah hey if you're a hitter in baseball you're yeah, that's right he's, he's paid. williams yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think i think there are certainly 
enough examples just because Star Trek is such a, a covered uh, property of especially in the early going when Gene Roddenberry was still alive where he would shoot down their ideas and then they would have to come up with something else. And a lot of times they actually come up with some pretty good ideas. Um, would it have been as satisfying if they vanquished Moriarty? No, it, there was kind of like a mutual respect built into it. Damn, Kristen, I was not expecting to come out of marrying this one. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Yay. I know. I was like, when I, when I saw that this was on the list, I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this episode so much. <laughs> I can't wait. All the London stuff, I do. the dress up stuff that that younger me didn't like just went right out the window. And by the way, any yeah. 1980s production design was like that wouldn't be that's not era appropriate. You know what the beauty of it is? It's the 24th century's interpretation through the holiday. Yeah, it works perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I have a question though. Like, if you could cosplay in the holodeck, like in one scenario, do you have? Do you know what your answer is? So I didn't. Have want you thought this, about it? I didn't want this podcast to go 70 minutes. But look, the holodeck is actually <laughs> an underutilized element of Star Trek because, to me, it can. Star Trek is partly successful, I think, because. It is you're watching a TV show, but in a lot of ways, it's about watching TV. The view screen, you're watching TV. The holodeck is inviting you to go and be in a TV show. Now, they never like I the ballsiest move would be like Star Trek Discovery, having them go walk on the friend set and like hang out and be friends. Oh, yeah. Episode of Friends. You know, I mean, like that the, the potential of it is it's a reflection of us as much as it is an idea like to do cool stuff on. So what would I cosplay as? I mean, I'd be, I'd be on the enterprise. <laughs> if the holodeck exists right now, that's what I would probably do uh, right now. Uh, well, okay. okay. I guess one, that's... one a would be a wide eyes, wide shut orgy. So, <laughs> well, no, like I, well, obviously like the sex stuff is number one yes, yeah. for everybody. Well, Almost said, everybody. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, other yeah, than yeah. that, like yeah. uh, that's the obvious. I mean, like your second trip. Yeah. <laughs> Does that have to be the eyes wide shut though? Yeah. I guess for you that's fine, but is but wait, is Tom Cruise there? Well, so the, the <laughs> I guess the only reason I, I was shortcutting the idea of like something really bizarre and grandiose, but you know, guaranteed to be an interesting time. Yeah, no murder, no sacrifices. No, I don't want any no. of that. Not that part of it. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, so like orgy no orgy number one. Yeah. And then number two, for me, I think it would it would definitely be like a historical type drama thing, like where I get to dress up in a weird costume. Like I don't know if it'd be Victorian London. But would you want to observe or be a participant? Oh, I don't know. I guess like it depends. Like, am I if I'm going to some like cool ball or something? I'd also like to go to some weird like uh, ancient Rome party where everyone just would eat until they puked and then. <laughs> Everyone just had sex with each other. Yeah. They make my way to the vomitorium. There's just so many interesting things you could do with the holodeck that it still feels like we're scratching the surface. Um, that's a good question, man. There's so many cool things you could do with the holodeck. So many like, I wonder, could... can you, can you like view, watch reenactments of like actual historical events as they happen? Like how much data does the computer have to go from or there's no there evidence like gaps in the yeah well, i mean you can program it down to the last detail i mean deep space nine goes into you know there are people who sell these very elaborate programs that can also uh, you know make quantum leaps of reasoning or or um imagination essentially and expand outward that way and 
You can do a lot of crazy stuff in the Star Trek terms of things. Yeah. But you can also fly. You just fly. Oh, my God. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> you know? It, All right. So, okay. I'm saying number one, orgy. Number two, I'd probably fly do, doing the flying thing. Yeah. And then number three, some, I don't know, historical thing. These some are, costume drama where I get to dress up. Sl- yes, this is good. That's good. We should Trek, Mary kill things you could do on the hot. <laughs> <laughs> like Studio 54, like in a Tayday type of thing, like going to places that you never got to do. Like, that'd be fun. Right. And then and then if you were a character or if you were a person living in the Star Trek time, you would be able to do stuff off Earth. But yes, you're just talking about if the holodeck were real in our reality, the one unusual <laughs> thing was that the holodeck existed. All right. You're doing like a Philip K. Dick story. That's true. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess. But then but you, but if it, if it exists outside of Star Trek, you'd want to be on Star Trek, though. I think so. I mean, again, yeah. one one A would be an orgy. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, you know, you know, they have orgies in real life. <laughs> I know. But there's so there's there's so many strings attached to those. Yeah, there's like a whole uh moral and ethical thing and then you gotta find all these people and they all have to be attractive to you and all of them them can have herpes and yeah they can't smell weird they can't leer at you yep they have to know what you like yep yeah okay also just the travel there and back like you have time to think about it you're in the holiday you're out of the holiday it's like (laughs) right to the shower right right home (laughs) right yeah gonna take a shower go to bed that's it (laughs) I, mean, <laughs> I don't have to worry about catering yeah no i don't cater- have to worry about cleanup don't even clean up i mean yeah, clean up yeah that's a yeah. joke a running joke i think in lower decks where cleaning the holodeck <laughs> it was a joke in deep space nine though too where like cleaning the holodeck oh yeah a punishment for yeah Nog, i think so <laughs> yeah i have to clean up after the fifth orgy this week that's my punishment <laughs> You know what? I didn't see this particular episode ending at this point, but we, I should have known when we talked yeah. about the holodeck. Yeah. So I wrote it down on my street thought, like what would one do in the holodeck if you could? So yeah, you know, just, just because of, you know, data being like, I'm just here to cosplay and like Jordy wants something else. I'm like, everyone wants something different from the holodeck. Absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. This is why, this is the value add for the show, folks. You weren't thinking about the orgies <laughs> when you thought of elementary dear data, but now you will. No, no, no. <laughs> but here it is. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. Uh, be sure to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's the big one. But anywhere you listen, if it has a rating or a star or a thumbs up, that would be great. Very helpful for us. You can follow us online on Twitter and Instagram at TrekMaryKPod, and on our website, TrekMaryKillPod.com, which has all of our links and our standings of everything we've graded so far. Another Mary. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until then, enjoy uh, imagining what you do on the holiday. <laughs> yeah, drop us a line in the comments. What would you do? <laughs> oh, God. Just, a, yeah. Keep it simple. No images. <laughs> no. I want detail. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. TMK out. <laughs>